on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, today is going to be our NFL draft preview version of the DNVR Buffs podcast. I'm really excited. Um, My life has been pretty chaotic leading up to the draft. Uh, In case you guys haven't heard yet, Thursday night, I will be uh, part of the crew covering the NFL draft. We're going to have live streaming coverage from DNVR. We're going to have special guests to bring in. Um, I'm not allowed to say who they are, but I should say that you guys, as Buffs listeners, should tune in. Um, and we're going to move on now, but, uh, yeah, so there's going to be special guests. It's, it's going to be Ryan Konigsberg as well as, uh, me and Andre Simone, the host of the DNVR draft podcast, kind of taking you through the whole night, Thursday and Friday, obviously Andrew Mason and, uh, Zach Stevens from DNVR Broncos will be in and out as well. They have their other duties, uh, that they're covering, um, during the draft as well but that's kind of our plan uh, come hang out with us we'll be broadcasting live on i think twitch uh youtube uh, twitter with periscope will be facebook live so just look up dnvr dnvr sports wherever you would think it's most uh the easiest to watch and uh we'll, we'll be there all night starting about a half hour before the draft all the way through the draft thursday night and Friday night. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's been so much work putting together, but it's going to be worth it. Um, and I'm excited to talk about these Buffs guys. Um, we've obviously been talking about a bunch of different tra- draft prospects, and we've talked about some of these Buffs guys. Um, but to spend a full show talking about the probably three, I'm thinking now, Buffs who will be drafted. Um, could be four. I think four is definitely more likely than two. Um and we're going to dig into that as soon as I finish telling you guys about Manscaped, which is an incredible company. I'm wearing my Manscaped shirt now. I had to walk out there and grab a couple packages from the lobby of my building earlier. Um, and I looked at myself in the mirror where my Manscaped shirt says, your balls will thank you, and decided that uh, I was just going to show the whole world that I take care of my balls. Feels good to let that out. Uh, you guys should be too. Manscaped is an incredible company. It keeps all of um, you groomed, whether you need the lawnmower 3.0, uh, it's a great trimmer with LED lights, all sorts of different stuff, um, or whether you need ball deodorant, whether you need post-shaving cream, all that kind of stuff. They're, they have so many products, and the best part is that you can save 20% if you use the code DNVR20. Um, that'll also get you free shipping. So that's free shipping 
plus 20% off. Shipping's probably what, like five bucks? Uh, I mean, that's might as well be like 25%. That's assuming you spend $100 and you don't have to to take advantage of all of their great products. Uh, support them. They support us. Let's talk buffs. Okay, um, let's start at the top of the list here um, and just kind of run through in the order that I think these guys will get drafted. Um, and then that will at some point here shift into the order of likelihood um, of the guys being drafted once we move away from um, the the guys who I think are locks at this point. Um, and that starts with LaVisca Chenault. It's been such a turbulent year for him. It's been... I mean, obviously, it's a it's an intriguing year to cover him. Um, I had hoped that we'd be covering the first receiver to win the Heisman since... Oh, I don't even know who the last is. That's a that's the, that's today's trivia question. If you guys cannot look it up, let me know who the uh, last receiver to win the Heisman was in the comments. I'll uh, give you a crisp high five when that's allowed. Actually, that sounds like a punishment now because that means I could get you. I'm not sick, by the way. Um, let's just move along. Visca. Visca is an incredible talent. Visca is one of the highest ceiling players in the drafts. Um, I think when you look at the receivers, you look at uh, Henry Ruggs having incredibly high ceiling. He, he runs in the four twos, obviously absurdly fast. He has massive hands, hands that just don't make sense. Um, and he's not that small considering how fast he is. You'd expect him to be uh, even slighter than he is. So you see there's an incredibly high ceiling there. The combination of his hands with how fast he is, obviously. Um, but I think that he's probably the only receiver that you could argue has a higher ceiling than LaVisca Chenault. Um, Visca's bigger than any of the receivers that'll go before him. He's faster. I think, again, we don't have an official 40 time. I mean, technically, I guess, I, I think his 4.58 is an official 40 time, um, but he only ran the first one because he came up limping um, from that first one. He didn't run his second try. So I think it's pretty safe to say that had he been healthy, that's probably sub 4.5. Um, but it's total speculation, and it could be that he tweaked himself on that last step and that that number actually was pretty close to real. We don't know, but but I think that there's a good chance he's faster than uh, a lot of these other players. Um, so, again, coming into this season, back when I was doing my prep work, both for the uh, draft pod and to take over the DNVR Buffs beat, or I guess at that point BSN Denver beat, um, Visca was firmly in the conversation to be the first receiver taken. Um, he, he was pretty much a consensus top 10 pick in the draft last summer. Um, with some people saying he could be top five, you know, you heard all the comps. He's like a stronger version of Julio Jones. Um, incredible comp, by the way. I don't think that, I don't think that there's a better comp out there than that one for a receiver. Um, Things didn't go as we had hoped. Uh, he, he had the injuries kind of lingering. One thing that kind of surprises me is that he's only missed four games. We talk so much about LaVisca Chenault's injuries, but the fact that he's only missed four games um, over the last two years uh, with, with everything that was going on, it just it seems like it should be more. And obviously there's a handful more where he was dinged up and wasn't playing like himself. Um, but, but if you look at production, I mean, he's ahead of Henry Ruggs. If you're looking at production, um, 
But because of the injuries, uh, obviously knocked down. At this point, early second is probably more likely than late first. Um, But there's a very real chance that Visca slides all the way to the third round. Um, I I couldn't see him sliding anywhere past that. I think that, again, his upside, um, if he does pan out, if he refines the route running just a little bit, can you know, kind of combines that with his feel for open space and zone coverage. Um, I I think that he makes a lot of sense as a slot receiver at the next level because, um, again, it's, he's, he's the big body. You want to put him in position to box out and all of that's on those underneath routes. Um, and then the feel for space, obviously the route running to get away, gain a little bit of separation. So you aren't just boxing out, um, but, but yeah, I, I like him running those underneath routes, some intermediate routes. That's part of the reason I see him long-term as a big slot receiver in the NFL. But there's also the fact that he's such a good blocker and you want him as close as possible to your offensive line when it, when it comes time to block. Um, if, if, if a running back wants to kick a run out to the outside, you want to have Visca's block right there um, to be the next one for that you have to have covered. Um, it also makes it a lot easier to bring him in for jet sweeps. That's a much shorter motion. You know, if, if you try to motion him in from the the boundary uh, to, to run a jet sweep, that defense has the, the time to understand what's happening and process and figure out what their game plan is because he's running all the way from the perimeter of the field to the quarterback by the time that ball snapped. If you can shorten that run from the slot, obviously there's less time for the the defense to process what's going on and come up with a way to stop it. Uh, it's also easier to motion him into the backfield when you want him at running back, fullback, H-back, tight end, wildcat quarterback, all those different things you could want him to do. Um, again, Chanel, he, he does have the versatility to play inside or outside. Um, you could ask him to to be an outside receiver, run some deep routes. I think that he's one of the best players at tracking the ball in the draft. Um, he's he uh, adjusts the ball well. I think that you could ask for more in terms of high pointing those those pure jump ball plays. Uh, I, I think he could have performed better, but but his ability to adjust on deep balls, find it, get his hands on it. I think that he's he's. He, he has a potential to be elite um, at doing that. Um, whether that's useful, again, that that could take some time to figure out because he'd, he'd have to be able to, first of all, get off the line of scrimmage, uh, which shouldn't be a problem for him at the next level. Um, he's, he's beating uh, all of these college cornerbacks off the line of scrimmage, getting f- releases pretty easily. Um, that should translate. He, he has a fairly nice release package. Um, but but then when when you look at him in terms of a deep threat after he gets off that line of scrimmage, he has to outrun the cornerback that's up against him. Um, I'm not sure how many cornerbacks in the NFL he can straight up outrun. Uh, that's something that we're going to have to watch and see. I'd anticipate that uh, it's it's not all that many, which is why off that release, if he can get that cornerback on his back, um, that'll make things a lot easier. That takes a little bit cleaner win at the line of scrimmage. Um and then you got to hold him off, get downfield. And I like that tracking ability if he can get that cornerback um, on his heels behind him um, instead of covering him tightly. So so those are some thoughts there about Visca's best use. Um, 
you know, I'd, I'd love to see him go to, uh, you know, the Ravens. We've talked a lot about since early on, late in the first round. That'd make a lot of sense. Uh, same thing with the Saints um, would also make a lot of sense. Again, just that creativity. Uh, the creativity is what you're really looking for when you're talking about best fits for LaVisca Chenault. Um, so, so that's kind of what we're looking at there. Um, he, he projects as one of the highest ceiling players in the draft. Um, his, his doctor, I, I guess I haven't touched on this yet, but his doctor released the note this week saying that by April 25th, uh, Visca should be back to 100% following this surgery. And he hasn't been 100% for a long time. And I've said this on this podcast before, but I think it was before the USC game late in the season that he told the media that he finally felt like he was 98%. For the first time all year, he had almost gotten back to being himself. And he said he felt like he was right around the corner. Uh, then in that USC game, you'll remember uh, Steven Montez got knocked out at the game for a couple plays, took a big hit on the sideline. Well, on the back side of that play, actually, Visca took a bit of a cheap shot uh, to the thigh, um, and that actually took him out of the game for a few plays. And, he, you know, so... so he he does have that history of being dinged up and and whether that's because he's the type of player who gets hit or whether it's because he's Colorado's star and so other teams know that if you have an angle if he's if he's trying to block you you hit him back he's not one you just run away from um I don't know there's something to that conversation but we do know that again from that point he struggled with a couple more issues as the season ended and uh Never really got back to 100%. So it's good to hear for sure that Visca should be back to 100% by the end of this week, which is pretty crazy. Um, we'll see where he goes in the draft. There are a couple fun teams. You know, you, you just want to see him in a situation where he is going to be used creatively, where he's going to get reps outside, get reps in the slot, get reps at full, get back, get reps at halfback, um, because, because that's where he's at his most valuable. Uh, if I had to set the over-under on where he's picked... I'd put that line right around, I think 40 would be fair. I might even go a little bit earlier than that, but that's about where I'd set that line. Um, yeah, I think that those are most of my thoughts on Visca. Um, excited to see where he goes for sure. Um, I think there'll be some competition for this for the next spot to see who's the second buff chosen. Uh, some contenders... Um, there for sure that could be exciting that are getting some hype um, from NFL scouts and people who are covering the draft. But uh, I'll tell you about that after I tell you about our good friends at Breckenridge Brewery. Um, I love the farmhouse. It's incredible food. Uh, they're, they're delivering. Um, you can order curbside pickup. And if you use the code DNVR, you can get $5 off your meal. Um, they have different specials every day. Sometimes they have drink specials as well. So check those out too um they're delivering their beer as well um if you're not interested in food uh first of all you're crazy but second of all you can still go to the breckenridge brewery website and check out the beer locator which will tell you all of the different places that you can try all of your favorite breckenridge beers that's a strawberry sky the vanilla porter jr the avalanche there's so many options you really can't go wrong um and they'll tell you where you can go to get whatever one of those beers it is that you want to try uh, I'd also like to tell you about the World Golf Tour. Uh, it's one of our new partners. We're just launching today, and I'm excited because this is a chance for us to all play video games together. 
So here's what WGT Golf is. It's essentially the most popular golf game in the world. Um, it's also our official gaming partner now here at DNVR. Uh, if you go to dnvrgolf.com, you can download World Golf Tour and you can join the DNVR Clubhouse. Uh, those are two things that you're going to want to do for a bunch of different reasons. Um, but the biggest is that there's prizes. We're going to be hosting DNVR tournaments. Some of them will be closest to the hole challenges. Um, and so we'll go to a specific hole at St. Andrews and say, okay, here's the one. Everybody see how close you can get. Uh, closest gets, uh, I don't know, maybe we can throw something out there. Um, a subscription, a shirt, something like that. Um, or sometimes there'll be real tournaments like stroke play, 18 holes, best score wins. And you'll be competing not only with each other, but also with me and RK and Andre and all of all of your friends at DNVR, but also the people listen to all those other podcasts. It's a pretty big group. Again, join the clubhouse. There's already more than 20 million players around the world. Um, go to dnvrgolf.com, download the game and start playing with us. Um, I just downloaded it this morning. I actually had it three or four years ago, maybe even longer ago than that, six or seven years ago, right when it first came out, right when it first came, got big and it was so much fun. Um, I stopped playing just because sometimes that happens with games. Really excited to jump back in there now and beat you all at some golf. Okay. Uh, jumping in now, (sighs) I think there's going to be some competition here to be the second buff drafted. Um, Coming into the year, we all probably would have just expected that it was Steven Montez who took this, or we might have even thought that it'd be Nate Landman or Mustafa Johnson declaring early, um, considering the trajectory of their play heading into the last season. But now at this point, um, it looks like it's pretty much a two-horse race between Steven Montez and Davion Taylor. Uh, Davion is shooting up draft boards. I think that there's even a chance that he could go before Visca. If Visca's worst case scenario is falling to the third round, I think Davion's best case scenario is sneaking into the end of the second round. I think that's very much on the table. I think most likely he's a fourth round pick. Um, third round might be more likely than fifth round, uh, but it's pretty close. I'd, I'd expect to see him go in the fourth. Although, honestly, for a guy like Davion, there's a whole bunch of variants. Um, you guys know Davion, so I don't really need to explain him too much to you. Uh, but just to make sure we touch on the key points and we're on the same page here, Davion, because of his religion, didn't play football in high school. He didn't start playing football until he went to junior college. Um, obviously, that went well. Uh, two years later, he's playing for the Buffs. Um, they, they put him in that star backer position and his first year in that position, it was primarily as an outside linebacker. He's, he's mostly an edge rusher in the way that that position was used. And then this year in Mel Tucker's defense, there were more coverage responsibilities. Um, and it it was more of a safety or cornerback type role than it was a pass rusher role. Um, you also saw him play some dime linebacker as well, that money position. Um, meanwhile, he was also running track and he was a, uh, f- first team, uh, all pack 12 sprinter in the hundred meter dash. Uh, that is a pretty, uh, intriguing resume. If you're an NFL scout and NFL GM, because first of all, he looked good. Uh, especially late this season at linebacker. It looked like he kind of figured out what his role is after having his role changed 
um, first of all, when he came to Colorado, and then again when the defensive system changed with the new coaching staff. Um, those are all changes to his role, his responsibilities, what he's asked to do on the field, also some changes in terminology, and he hasn't been playing football all that long, which makes all of those things more challenging. It looked like he figured it out. Uh, he kind of put things in order. Um, and uh, then in his pro day, he ran a 4-3-9, tying Isaiah Simmons, and just catapulted himself up the draft boards. So there are some concerns. There are certainly some concerns with Davion. Um, first of all, his size. Uh, he, he may just get caught up on blocks at the next level. You know, he's about 225 pounds. Um, there's, there's room to add some more weight, I think. And, and if he goes that route, I think that, that would pay off for him. I do think that he's fits best is probably like a weak side linebacker in the NFL, um, who could play sub packages as well. Um, but his, his size, when he's playing the run game, going up against interior NFL linemen, um, he may not be able to fight off those blocks and he may never be able to fight off those blocks, which should be obviously a concern. And that's kind of the biggest concern. I know there are some other questions just because he's so raw. Um, how, what's his football IQ like? Um, what's his feel for the game like? Because you can see it on tape, but he hasn't really had time to develop too much on top of you, you, coaches always talk about how, how you don't want to be thinking when you're playing. I think that when you're in Davion's position, you're probably thinking a lot more than you want to be. Um, and that makes it tough to show off having good instincts, um, which could uh, knock him in some GM's minds. Um, it's also true that he really isn't that close to being ready to play, in my opinion. I think that best case scenario, late in his rookie season, he's coming in for sub packages. Um playing as a nickel defender, a dime defender. I think a dime linebacker will probably be his first job uh, in the NFL. Uh, and then from there, maybe you get yourself into the nickel package and then become an every down player, ideally. Although I'm not sure he has that size. Um, again, he could sneak into the second round. I think it's most likely he's a fourth rounder. I think he could slip all the way to... I think it'd be a surprise if he slipped to the sixth. I don't think he'd slip past the sixth. Um that's what I'm seeing from Davion, uh, at least as of right now. Um, he's been interesting to follow, too. Uh, one who I'm really wishing the best for. Um, I think that there is a chance that Steven Montez is taken before him. Um, I don't think... I don't think Steven will be taken in the third round. Uh, I'd be surprised if he was taken in the fourth. Um, but that fifth, sixth, seventh... Um, I'd almost say that fifth, being drafted in the fifth has the same odds as being drafted in the sixth, is the same as being drafted in the seventh, and those are the same as being drafted or going undrafted. If you want to call those all 20% chances, no, probably more than that. Call it like 22%, 23% for all those, and then throw that last like 10% or whatever at uh, the fourth round. Um, He's all over the place. And again, he's he's the type of prospect that somebody will probably fall in love with. Um, but 70, 80, maybe even 90% of the teams in the NFL won't have a draftable grade on him. Uh, but there will be a couple who see the tools, who see the, the, the best games um, of his career and say, we can work with that. Um, how badly they want him is what we're about to find out. So... Uh, 
again, I don't want to spend too much time explaining the things you know to you already, um, but his, his biggest knock is that he's inconsistent and that his bad games are almost undraftable bad. You, you watch the tape of them, um, and there are, there are plenty to pick from, especially this year. You, you think primarily to the games where we were all asking ourselves, why was he still even in? You know, against Washington State, why did this coaching staff put him on the field for as long as they did? That game was decided. Did you think that he was going to figure something out that he could bring into the next game? Is that why he was still out there? Um, was it punishment? Did, are you not going to let him off the field just because uh, things aren't going well? Or, uh, I mean, it would have been great to get Tyler Lytle some experience, um, in hindsight, at least. Uh so, so you look at that Washington State game. You also look at the Oregon game, which was very much the same. The game was decided, but he still took three more possessions after the game was probably decided. Um, but again, you look at the tape of those games, and I think that there are a lot of scouts um, who would look at one of those games, watch the game, and say, we're not touching him no matter what. Um, and I think that there's quite a few teams who after watching all of the things that he's done have decided the same thing. Uh, but there will be a couple because of the athleticism, because of the big arm, um, because he's a pretty smart guy, um, that, that think that he will be somebody who you can rely on, depend upon at the next level, even if that's a few years down the road. Um, yeah, I don't think I have any other real insights into any of that. It's just that he has the tools, and we don't know when those tools would be valued. I do think that this quarterback class uh, is helping him out. I think that there are some other guys who have similar concerns. Um, and when you have a few guys at the same position who have the same red flags, it kind of cancels all the other red flags out. And I think there's a tier of quarterbacks who have this same set of flaws you know Nate Stanley from Iowa I think he could be taken um, three rounds before Steven he could be taken three rounds after Steven um, he could be taken consecutive picks with Steven and he has the exact same red flag which is that the bad tape is unwatchable um, so yeah I mean that's that's kind of the situation that's what's going on um, with Steven um, and, and he's the third guy who I would say, if somebody is giving you even odds, you, you bet on Steven being selected, Davion being selected, obviously viscous being selected. And then after that, um, you probably wouldn't want to bet on him. Uh, Tony Brown could definitely sneak himself into the seventh round. He could even sneak himself into the sixth round. There are just so many receivers, um, too much potential for, for the let's see it's the the problem would be if when you get to the fifth round there's a big stall on receivers you go 20 straight picks without receiver being taken and all of a sudden everybody's just shifted back meanwhile there could be a run there that means that a lot more receivers are being drafted and typically you have about 30 receivers being chosen in every draft um, because there are so many we're kind of anticipating there being 40 we could be wrong and there's 35. We could be wrong and there's 50. Um, and I think that he's probably right around that receiver 40 to 45 mark um, on a lot of people's boards. Um, and so what he's hoping for, if you're or if you're hoping that Tony Brown gets selected, 
you just want to see receivers taken all the way through this draft. You want to see, I think in our mock draft we did on the podcast yesterday, uh, there were six receivers taken in the first round. You want to see that be seven or eight, and you want to see the same thing happen in the second round, which is very much possible. And if that happens, uh, then Tony should be smiling. Um, He should be watching day one of the draft, day two of the draft, even though he's not going to be picked until Saturday, just because I think that the odds of him being selected are going to change significantly on Thursday and on Friday, uh, one way or the other. Um, so that's kind of Tony's situation. Um, probably more likely to be picked up as a free agent after the draft than to be chosen, but firmly in the conversation either way. Um, in terms of what teams look at with him, it's his ability to track the ball, uh, the the focus. Um, you, you think back to all of the big catches Tony made um, because that's the type of player he is. He isn't somebody who you're manufacturing touches for and saying, okay, go do something with the ball here. He isn't that type of weapon. He's a really good receiver who tracks the ball well, who has good hands, who who's pretty fast. You know, he didn't test well, but he plays pretty fast. Um, and he... Uh, he, he's pretty sharp. He has a little more quickness to his game than I think, at least at least more than I gave him credit for early in my time covering him. Um, not just the quickness that will apply to potentially being a very good route runner, um, maybe finding his way into the slot at some points in his NFL career, um, but also some quickness with his hands to, to pull his hands up late. And Visca's good at this too. And that kind of makes you think that Chev is probably pretty good at teaching this, but not showing your hands too early. Um, you know, you see the ball coming in, you want to time up, getting your hands up there, grab it um, as closely as possible, obviously without risking dropping the ball, um, so that the cornerback, first of all, doesn't realize the ball's about to get there. If he's in man coverage and he's just watching you, that's all the information he's getting. He's, he's looking at your eyes to see if they're looking like they're following a ball that's getting closer. Uh, you can look at the hands to see where the hands are going um, because that's obviously what you're using to catch the ball. And if you get those hands up late, that's one less tell that you're giving away. That's something that Tony Brown is great at. That's why first he tracks the ball down the sideline. He finds uh, where that ball is going to be, whips his hand out there late, grabs it, pulls it in. And that's why he brings in so many contested catches, particularly deep down the field. Um, he doesn't project to be a great um, run-after-catch receiver. Um, he doesn't have the speed to be the type of guy who you would say he can take anything to the house. Uh, he doesn't have the quickness to really make guys miss at the NFL level. Um, the question for him is whether he has enough quickness to get separation um, at the top of his routes. And uh, the question is whether that tracking ability that ability to bring in contested catches down the field translates to the next level. Um, kind of like Juwan Winfrey, not a very high volume guy, a run after catch guy, some other differences in their games. Um, but uh, he, uh, he made NFL plays and that's what Tony Brown did throughout his time at Colorado. He made catches that made you say, huh, that's the type of catch a pro would make. Um, that needs to translate. And the key for him is going to be getting his routes sharper during training camp. Um, if, if he can do that, then there will be a chance that he can stick on a roster out of camp. Otherwise, he's probably going to be a practice squad guy, um, which isn't the end of the world. Obviously, a bunch of great receivers have come from the practice squad. Um, 
but I mean, you aren't making the same money you would on the active roster. Uh, it means you're one step close to being out of the league. You, you want to be patient. Some things take time, but get into the league, get, get your Jersey as fast as you can. Um, and the key for him to do that, to stick on a roster this season is going to be refining that route running, um, in camp because there are a lot of things we know will translate. He's not all of a sudden going to start dropping balls, but, uh, getting yourself open is tough. And if he can at least improve a little bit there, I think the coaches may be willing to take a gamble on him. Um, before we move on to a couple of guys who likely won't get drafted, but, uh, you know, they, they, they definitely are in that conversation and um, are probably favorites to land, at least on training camp rosters. Uh, I'm, I want to tell you about MSU Denver Online. And MSU Denver Online is a great school. And, you know, there, there are so many different uh, reasons that you could like MSU Denver Online. You know, if, if, if you're trying to change your career field or even get ahead in the career field you're in, you could try to go get a degree, whether it's a bachelor's degree, whether it's a certificate, master's. There's so many different things that, that you could go after there. There are over 40 different programs um, that will give you degrees online at MSU Denver. Um, there are 750 different courses you can take online. So even if you're just curious about one of the courses, you can enroll and you can take it for credit. You can take it not for credit. Um, There's so many different ways that you can use this opportunity. Um, you got to take advantage, especially now when we all kind of have a chance to reset a little bit and think about things. Now's the time to make those changes. And MSU Denver is here to help. They can get you into whatever field you're trying to get into. They can help you um, move forward in your career take advantage of this offer um they're they're good people okay um now a couple of guys to uh keep an eye on um you know i i think that uh tim lanott is definitely uh somebody who may be a, a training camp candidate um, largely played very well as a center, was a very important piece of the locker room, um, was, was instrumental in getting this offensive line to the level it climbed to this season. Uh, Chris Kapilovic deserves a lot of credit wherever he is for what he did with the offensive line last year, but the center is so important. They're the brains, they're calling everything out. Um, helping Steven get into the right plays as much as possible. Um, and that's what you get with Tim Lanott. That's a smart guy who is pretty big. He, I think he has NFL size. I think he has a lot of NFL skills. Um, what teams are going to see on tape that's going to scare them away and what will likely stop him from being drafted is the the number of missed snaps that he had um, during his time at Colorado. Um Colorado has largely been working out of the shotgun in his time here. And uh, there have been too many snaps that have been off target. Some are low, some are high, some are left or right. Um, and it's not like he's he's bad in that regard compared to college centers. It's just that the standards are higher at the NFL level. And that's the first thing he would need to clean up. Um, he'd have to get stronger. He'd have to re- refine some of the technique. Um, but I think that it's going to come down to can we trust you to get the ball where it needs to be to keep the offense clicking? Um, and, and that's going to be his kind of first task. 
uh, after that, um, you know, Arlington Hambright has an NFL body, so he could get an NFL look. Um, same thing with uh, Jalen Harris, who has an NFL tight end body, but uh, has never been able to put all the pieces together to take advantage of that. Um, there may be a team who says, we don't think that we're going to be able to get NFL caliber uh, tight end play out of him, but we're going to bring in 10 undrafted free agents, and these are all guys who we think it's possible with. Let's see if he impresses us. Let's give him a shot. Um, I think it's unlikely that that happens for him, but it's very much in play. Uh, Mikhail Onu, um, you know, he's had a tough time because of the broken leg he suffered in the last week of football practices. Um, he spent about, he spent most of this time rehabbing um, and is now uh, actually finally getting a chance to build on what he already had, try to get faster, get stronger, um, gain weight if he wants to gain some weight, lose weight if he wants to lose some weight, because those aren't really things that you do when you're rehabbing. Rehabbing is all about rehab, and then you can start looking at building again. Um, I think that I think there could be teams who are interested in him, uh, especially uh, I think what he has working best for him is that if a team comes to, um, let's just say Darren Cheverini and says, okay, we're interested in Visca. What, what can you tell me about Visca? Um, Chev's going to have that whole conversation before the scout leaves. The scout might say, Hey, is there anybody else that you think, um, we should be taking a look at? Um, and, and I think that Mikhail Onu could be that guy for a lot of coaches, um, who, scouts could be talking to about some other buffs um just because of he he just because he served a a role as a leader um last year he he kind of was a voice in that locker room he was instrumental in teaching the defense to some of the other players uh, he's a very smart person and i think that uh he he already has the special teams acumen um you know that you could put Mikhail Onu at Gunner and you could get some production out of him just because of the type of athlete he is. Um, and, and that's one of the first things that teams are going to be looking for, especially with these undrafted guys is okay. If they show that if Mikhail Onu shows that he can play safety well enough that we're at least intrigued by the thought of developing him. The question is, can we, can we, get enough special teams play out of him that he's worth taking the time to develop um, because that's a role that he would have to serve. Most likely, if he sticks around, he's going to be on a practice squad for this first year um, because um, because of the rehab for one. Um, again, that, that sets you back in building your body, getting yourself to an NFL level. Um, so... Uh, that's kind of the path there. But then the second year, the decision year, maybe even the third year, uh, it's can we give you a special teams job while we see if you have anything at safety? Um, so that's kind of what's going on there. Delrick Abrams, I, I think, will get a shot in NFL camp. He just has the body for it. He's so long and he's fast um, and has good cover skills. Um, does he have NFL caliber cover skills? We're going to find out. Can he tackle it in NFL level? We're going to find out, but I think that because tackling might be one of the knocks with Delrick and maybe being a little bit underweight is one of the knocks. I think that 
a team might see those two flaws as the same flaw and say, okay, he has a lot of cover skills. He may not be a four, three, four, four type speed guy, but he's fast enough to at least see what we can develop. And then he has that length. I think some cover three teams may be really interested in a guy like him to play that deep third um, long term. And they may say that by the time he has the strength to play, um, he's put on a couple more pounds, he's going to be just fine tackling. Um, so so that's kind of what Delrick is looking for, is a team that says your your two knocks here are actually the same knock, um, and that makes them a little more valuable. Alex Changham could be interesting. You know, he, he already has that NFL build, which is the tough part. Um, can they get the get get more athleticism out of him um refine the technique so that he can be uh take a step forward as a pass rusher um he he'll have a shot you know there are a couple other guys um let's just run through them you know alex kinney i can't say i know a lot about punter evaluations that's a tougher one that's a very unique skill set um but if he gets a shot it's going to be a training camp invite um Again, he's he's had his moments. He needs to be at his best consistently. Um, Jack Shutak, you never know. Uh, JT Bale, again, if, if if evaluating punters is hard, evaluating long snappers is even harder. Unless you, I guess you could just sit down and see if all the points were on, or all the snaps were on point. And then once you go through that for every snapper in the country, um, and you just keep all the ones who didn't screw anything up there, then you start looking at who provided the most in coverage, I'm not really sure. Um, so JT Bale, who knows what the book is on him. Uh, other seniors, uh, you have Davis Price, Nuomoto Fallo Jr., uh, Lucas Cooper, Bo Bisharat, um, Josh Golden, and that's going to round out the senior class. So uh, there's your preview. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, if you have any thoughts, if you think I'm wrong, um, even if you don't think I'm wrong, but just want to wait till I actually am wrong, because some of this is not going to be right when the draft actually comes Thursday through Saturday this week. Um, hit me up in the comment section. We'll get to all those on the next show. I appreciate you all for listening. Um, see you later. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Touchdown. Touchdown. That's five for Chris Brown. The defense of Tomlinson. Colorado is going to the NCAA tournament. Stewart with time. Let's it go. He's got three people down there. Patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's 
so hard to behave. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.